Welcome everybody to the UDR podcast. I'm Tom Forsyth here with Bill Ward. We're going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives and different experiences in recovery with people we know and people around the world. You know, in many respects, I think until you understand what we're actually doing around here in this program of recovery, certain things just don't click. And, uh, you know, you're kind of the example of you can think you're doing a lot of things, but until you're doing the things that it says in the book, the way that it says them in the book, it it's, it's an illusion mm-hmm. that you're doing it, right? And uh, so, you know... You know, in my early recovery too, I I didn't know really what I was doing, and and uh, and I paid for it. I didn't drink or do drugs again, but I paid for it heavily. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we can expand on on those areas in our own recovery and mm-hmm. and kind of go back and forth as our recovery journeys got us to where we are today and. And explain some of the pains of growing and some of the gifts of growing and and kind of go there. So maybe I'll start. Well, the thing is with, like, I was talking to you earlier about how, you know, if, because, um, like, I was in detox for the first time when I was 19. And maybe not entirely ready at that point, but I knew something had to change. I needed to stop using drugs for sure. Okay, I could see that instantly because... You know, getting into crack cocaine, it took me to places like real fast that I didn't, I shouldn't be in. You know, I came from a a decent family. I mean, we had our, you know, um, dysfunction for sure. You know, not a lot of communication, not a lot of emotion, not a lot of expression. And, um, you know, raised by an alcoholic, my mom. And, um, but overall, I mean, on the outside, it looked fairly good. And, you know, I played sports and, you know, I was, I was good at what I did and played hockey and golf. And, um, you know, my, my grandparents tried to support me the best way they could. And, um, so yeah, when I, you know, got into the addiction of crack cocaine, it just took me to, uh, to a place of like, uh, like darkness real fast. So even at a young age, I knew that I couldn't do that. But the thing is, every time I drank, I was trying to find cocaine. And, you know, I knew the cocaine needed to stop. I couldn't really see that the drinking had to because I was 19. Everybody was drinking and everybody was using cocaine. But usually people would stop and, uh, you know, probably make it to work on Monday. But I was the kind of guy that would just do it until, you know, all my resources ran out. And my resources were like sleeping on people's couches, you know, help from my parents, whatever, you know, and to the point where I, you know, I would steal from my friends for money because I needed a fix. So even at, you know, a young age, I knew I needed to stop. So I was constantly in treatment centers and, uh, you know, I, I was willing and I wanted to stop. I wanted to be clean, but the thing is I would go to treatment centers and as soon as I left, you know, I, I was all gung-ho leaving there. Like, really, if you put me on a lie detector test and said, hey, Tommy, are you going to stay Are you gonna stay sober this time? Absolutely, I would be. I, I would be like, 100%, I'm going to stay sober. I would pass that test. You know, and then I have to leave. But, uh, you know, within a week or two, I'm, I'm drunk or high again. So 
when you were in those centers, what kind of things would they teach you or what kind of actions would they they get you to go through were you doing a thorough house cleaning i know a lot of treatment centers will get you to write out a step one did you write out a step one did you do your four and your five with with a, a clergyman or with a sponsor or did you even get that far did you do the step three prayer on your knees like what kind of process did you get as you went through that and and you know looking back from the work we did what was missing in those early stages well knowing what i know today i mean my problem is the way i think and you know there's something inside of me that uh, is just extremely disconnected i'm disconnected from my family i'm disconnected from you know the people around me and the only thing that I can feel connected instantly right away is that first drink. All of a sudden, I'm the life of the party. You know, I can have these amazing conversations. Well, I, what I think is an amazing conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, so that, that, that worked. You know, that got me out of that get disconnected feeling. Um, but in the treatment centers, basically, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of 12-step um, uh, program happening in the treatment centers I went to. And, um, you know, there's group sessions, group therapy, one-on-one therapy. Um, you know, they try and keep you, get you into arts and get you creative, which makes sense. Um, and then just connected to the people around you. Um, but the one treatment center I went to, she told me I'm not an alcoholic. And, you know, if I did enough therapy, um, that I could overcome the um, addiction to alcohol, but not you're not an alcoholic. So really, you know, I spent two months there, and um, there was a spiritual aspect. Um, but what was missing? Um, I still wasn't. I still wasn't being honest. I, you know, everything that I got rid of there um wasn't actually everything you know i still had some secrets that i didn't want to tell people um and the big thing that's missing is when i left i didn't practice anything i went back to my old behaviors with my old way of thinking and uh was just trying to really work hard and you know figure things out mm -hmm. because i mean my family just they were just happy if i had a job you know, and that's all. Oh, he's got a job. He's got a place to stay. Phew. That kind of thing, right? Like nobody really knows what the real problem is. So when you said, you know, I, I suffer from alcoholism. Um, and I think a lot of people focus on the obsession and the allergy of what alcoholism is. And... Back in 1935, when the book was written, you know, I'm sure drug addiction was somewhat prevalent, but I don't think it was like it is today. And had they been able to have another word for, for addiction, you know, I, I, I think they would have probably combined alcoholism and addiction maybe into the same word. 
but as our language progressed, alcoholism meant, you know, a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question to you is, what does alcoholism mean to you today? Is it about the substance? Is it about, you had mentioned, I have a problem with thinking? Like, give me your best description on alcoholism so that our listeners can understand because we both know the drug and the drink are not the problem. Mm. And when me and you say alcoholism, we mean addiction. And when we say addiction, we mean alcoholism. Like, right. So what does alcoholism or addiction mean to you? Is it about the substance? So, oh yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Because a guy like me, it didn't matter if I drank, I would drink to oblivion. It didn't matter if I did cocaine, I would, you know, do it until, you know, I was so paranoid, I'd have to lock myself in a room and I, you know, couldn't possibly see anybody. Or prescription medications, anything that took away that disconnected feeling, I would do, you know, to the extreme. Now, that's one part of it. And, but today I know that, you know, really alcoholism and addiction is a spiritual problem for sure. And now what spirituality means to each individual is very different. So, I mean, I'm not saying religion is the answer to all of our problems, but a connection to, um, our inner being that is connected to this higher purpose has to be found in order to to want to live, to want to grow, to want to continue to do this stuff and really clear that channel from within us. Um, that's gonna, like, I don't, I don't even think about drinking or drugs ever anymore. It's just, it's not even a, it's not even a thing. And it used to control my entire life. So, I mean, really we need a higher power or a God of some sort to, enter into our lives and start to guide us and give us purpose. And so there's so much more to, um, you know, alcoholism than just the substance for sure. I mean, my, my problem is spiritual, you know, that's that disconnected feeling. The disconnected feeling is what drives my thinking because when I don't feel well, I'm obsessing about myself and, you know, trying to figure out why I feel this way. What's wrong with me? Why don't I, why don't I look like other people? Like, I'm judging my insides on other people's outsides and it doesn't make any sense how people can go about their day, live their lives and not feel the way I feel. Well, I'm disconnected from everybody and everything. So, I mean, I have to find a connection and whether it's alcohol, uh, street drugs, prescription drugs, to me, anything that gets me out of that disconnected feeling, I'm going to use to oblivion. And I don't think I can get spiritual enough to get rid of that part. But I think part of the obtaining a connection is first we got to uncover, Mm. discover, you know, what it is. And, you know, discard a lot of these, these things that are actually blocking that channel. You had mentioned clearing the channel. Well, And then we recover. So, you know, I want our listeners to understand that this connection thing that we need 
to get to the place like you just said where you don't even think about drinking or using it's not even a thing you know i i see a lot of people in recovery that still have the thought well maybe a drink would be a good idea although they know they can't and they struggle with this for years um but i my belief is and based on my experience and i've sponsored hundreds of men until you do the deep house cleaning and you uncover discover discard it then you can recover um so with you i know when me and you did a bunch of work in your recovery you had already tried getting sober a number of times over the years and you had done some work on the uncover discover discard and recover but for whatever reason you kept getting drunk and we talk about the spiritual part of the sickness which is the most important part to medicate as we both know um you are still restless, irritable, and discontented. And that comes straight out of our literature, out of the big book. And that is the doctor that writes that. Unless you can again experience the ease and comfort that comes at once by taking the first few drinks. It also says as we succumb to the desire again, as so many do. The phenomenon of craving develops, meaning now we've set off the allergy. And we're not drinking to escape this this life shit anymore. We're we're drinking to overcome this this physical part of the craving in our bodies that's beyond our mental control. So as you were kind of living those early nine or ten years, like <clears throat> I was praying and I was going to meetings. Um, but as you talked about the blocks, like. Um, in order to actually access this power that I've desperately needed, I needed to do some really deep work with you. And it was work that I didn't really understand needed to be done. And um, I had to look at my dishonesty and what was really like involved in that and what that actually looked like. There, like um, I remember discussing with another one of my sponsees how there isn't levels of honesty. You know, there's, there's, you're either honest or you're not. There's no more white lies. You know, there's no more saying the right thing to control another person's emotions. And I just didn't understand what was actually involved in that. And, um, you know, so when I was actually able to be honest with myself about what needed to um, actually come to light, you know, I just, I, I couldn't get it, like you said, for about 10 years. You know, just talking about the stuff that was bothering me, you know, uh, it just wasn't enough. I really had to get in deeper and, um, you know, start to understand what these things about me um, that were blocking me and, you know, and really bring them to the table and be honest with them, uh, be honest about them. And um, why do you think you couldn't get sober, though? through those nine or ten years like as the doctor writes we succumb to the desire again while well, we fail to resist mm -hmm. to this desire to drink as so many do and then like it's almost saying that we didn't have a choice so as you would stay sober like what was happening in your head and then like what was why would you drink knowing everything you already knew about yourself and what always happened 
it almost looked like you failed to resist and you had to drink. Mm -hmm. Like, can you explain to our listeners who might be relapsing or not able to get this that like kind of what the thought process was and what made you explode and go, you know what? I need a drink. Mm -hmm. Well, I would, um, so I would get some relief. Usually I would, um, I would go to a couple meetings a week. Um, I would pray in the morning sometimes. And I would never phone my sponsor and be honest with him. But never once would I really um, be open. And I really didn't know how to be open. And I didn't know how important it was to be open to somebody else. And on a daily basis, connect with God. And then continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Because when these things crop up, I need to discuss them with somebody immediately, it says in our literature. And that, you know, I would usually take something, sweep it under the rug. Maybe it was some small bit of anger. But you do that enough time over the weeks, and it starts to build up, and the alcoholism returns, and um, my head starts to spin. And, you know, if I wait two weeks to call someone and talk to this stuff about you know by then i don't even know what's wrong with me anymore and i call and i say like i'm so full of anxiety and you know they can't figure it out for me hold on and you said alcoholism returns and you haven't drank yet Mm -mm. what you're saying is the thinking the distorted thinking the living in resentment the living in self-delusion resentments piling up um trying to run the show that returns Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, yeah, I mean, we talk about alcoholism and, you know, basically I'm running my little universe in my mind. A lot of this stuff isn't actually happening. You know, I'm just building scenarios. I'm having conversations with people and we talk about it as playing God. And this is usually where it starts to happen is in my, in my head first. So if I'm already planning you know, a conversation or a scenario and how it's going to go. Um, you know, I, I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm not God. I don't know how the conversation is going to go. I don't know how, um, you know, a certain situation is going to pan out. And if I already have it planned and I have it set in my mind, it's not going to work out that way, you know, and then I'm disappointed and, you know, I'm angry and, and you might take other actions in your life mm as you go towards this this thing that you've already pre-proposed the outcome and then all your actions in between now and then could also be um, more alcoholism kicking in and more fears generated and more you know playing god i guess Absolutely. and it's just like spinning your brain mm-hmm. okay so yeah so what it does like in my experience i I just lived with anxiety, like a crippling anxiety, and I would have to push through it every day. I'm only capable of that for so long before I have to drink. You know, I, I'm not supposed to live with anxiety. You know, I'm not supposed to live in a state of fear. If you ever watch a deer, you know, almost get hit by a car, it goes into fear for about 10 seconds, and then it just goes back to its normal state, and it just walks along. You know, that's kind of the natural state. We're not supposed to live in fear. You know, we can only take that for so long before we need relief of some kind. And, um, 
you know so and that was that was me you know i just um i i i was constantly you know throwing myself into work you know if i worked hard enough but then even then you know i burn out because my alcoholism turns into workaholism which is really the same thing again and um you know if i try and work seven days a week or six days a week let's say uh the sunday i can't even get off the couch mm-hmm. you know, what kind of life is that you know and then i'm no good to my kids i'm no good to my wife you know i'm no good to the people around me and i can't help other people when i'm in that state i don't have time to help other people i don't have time for my kids i don't have the energy for my kids i don't have i'm spiritually bankrupt Mm. i just want to jump in there on you mentioned workaholism and it just brought me back to my youth and i remember as i was in my teenage years I remember looking around the world going, you know, what's even the point of this? Why am I even here? Like they say this is a free world and there's all these great things and I didn't see the greatness really. But alcohol and drugs actually medicated that and I was able to feel some type of connection like you said earlier. Or at least I was blotting out the restless, irritable and discontented feeling that I had. And I was suppressing it with, with these spirits, right? The With the drugs and the alcohol, which they call alcohol spirits but it but it pushed my my disease down i guess you would say the the spiritual malady down and made me feel okay and then as i kind of ran along and kept you know progressing in my illness because it is an illness i uh, got to the point where i couldn't take it anymore but i couldn't stop anyway i ended up saying a prayer and i ended up quitting drinking but I didn't quit smoking dope and I didn't quit doing some mushrooms and I didn't quit doing some acid and I didn't quit being angry. I didn't quit a lot of the behaviors, but I was able to put down the alcohol for whatever reason. But within a year and a half, you know, in that year and a half, I looked around the world again and I looked and said, you know what? I'm not really happy. How can I be happy? And then I saw, you know, people with money seemed like they were happy. And there's a line in our book, and it says, Am I not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest happiness and satisfaction out of this world if I only manage well? Well, yeah, I was a victim of this delusion. And I would look around, and I'd be like, Yeah, if I had money, if I had these things, I'd be happy. So then I made it a mission for me to get rich, essentially. And I spent all my time working hard to try to get rich. And I, and I did relatively get rich. And I did have uh, a lot of money and, and you know, I had my, my daughters came along and my wife came along. and But my time was all focused on work and I was a workaholic. I never dealt with the uncovering or discovering or discarding of anything. And I never really recovered. I just blotted it out more with something else. The alcohol quit working when I was 22. And now workaholism and anger started working to treat the malady. But it never really worked. It was only relief. And I would get intermittent relief through obtaining more money or more shiny things or or whatever. The only real semblance of connectedness that I actually felt was my connectedness to my, my daughters and my family that I had at different intervals. But then that quit working after 13, 14 years. And by chance, I had a who to crack, and and I hated crack, but I had to do it. I was looking for my brother, who was missing person in Winnipeg, 
And this guy took me to a crack house and said, you know, I think your brother's here. Um, if you want to look for him, have a hoot. And I just wanted to find my brother. So I had a couple of hoots of this crack so I could prove I wasn't a cop. And then the next thing you know, we find him. He wasn't there, but we did find him. I come back to Calgary and I set off the phenomenon of craving in my body. And work quit working. And I can kind of connect the dots and see that work quit working to treat my alcoholism. And now I found the new thing. There's always going to be something new. <coughs> That's why I like what you said. We need this God. We need this thing to save our lives and give us life and give us like vitality in our life. And vitality means living with purpose and living happily, vibrantly. And, and so once I smoked that crack, I got real dishonest. I got all these things and I ended up burning my life and I hurt a ton of people as well. And it wasn't until I got broken right down and I got desperate to do anything because I didn't want to drink and I didn't want to hurt people anymore, but I couldn't not drink or do drugs and I couldn't not hurt people, which was probably one of the worst things. Hurting people made me want to blot it out more. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I just wanted to touch base on alcoholism to me is it's the restless, irritable and discontentedness. And in our book, it says I'm restless, irritable, discontent unless I can again experience the ease and comfort that comes at once by taking the first few drinks. But I don't just need the drinks if I'm not drinking. I can blot it out with sex, with relationships, with gambling, with anger, with self-pity. I'll blot it out with anything. But I'm living in alcoholism. And like you said, eventually you have to drink. Right? So, you know, that was just a, that was a big thing in my life, workaholism. And I see that a lot in other people, right? It's, they just shift it. And they never really treat the malady. And I think part of the big problem in our meetings and our, our programs is we focus on the substance. And me and you know, and we together, we don't focus on the substance when we work with others. We focus on the rest of cerebral discontentment. And what does it look like in your life? Right? And then we focus on the solution of God or higher power or, you know, my passed away grandmother is the nucleus of my higher power. So... So yeah, I really like how you'd you'd kind of segued into workaholism and well, and I think that um, the thing is like this spiritual malady that we're talking about and that disconnection, like I see it everywhere, even in my you know my family and um, with my friends. Like once once there's nowhere to go, they start to seek outside stuff. I have a friend, he's got, you know, three trucks, two boats, uh, quads, like you can't even see his house, like it's just covered in, because he's an alcoholic that's not treating the spiritual aspect, so he has to treat it with outside stuff. So it comes in shopping, it comes in porn, it comes in, you know, all kinds of different, you know, masks, right? Mm. But we have to treat it with something. So... Um, you know, even in my, my experience too, man, it was like, you know, I, I just got a new truck and two years later I'm at the car lot because the engine's not big enough. 
you know, because I need something more. I always need something more. Mm. And within two weeks, the shine wears off and I'm pissed off that I didn't get leather. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard this disease called the disease of more. Mm. You know, never is there enough of what we thought we wanted. No. No. And there's always more, right? So, you know, why are we doing this podcast? What is it that we want to actually... What is the message or messages that we want to deliver? You know, I know you've grown a lot. You know, the book talks about hitting the fourth dimension of existence that we could not even have dreamed. You know, um, I like to think most days I'm in the fourth dimension. I'm in a place that I can't even believe, right? And and I know that you're there too. It talks about, you know, come join us in the fellowship of the spirit. Here, will, here you will surely meet some of us. So I think what we want to do is we want to inspire people to do the uncover, discover, discard, and recover. Hmm. And, and hit this fourth dimension because it's, it's unexplainable, right? Like you can't put words into some of the stuff that, that we feel or, or that we see and how we see life. And, you know, can you maybe elaborate on, on what's the fourth dimension or what's happened in your life through what you've had to do for the heavy work and the pain like it's fucking not easy right Mm, it's fucking painful well i mean i was i was suffering from again alcoholism when i when i got to know you right i mean we had known each other over the years through the meetings just bumping into each other hardly a nodding acquaintance right (laughs) and uh you know and one day i just prayed for the right person and I prayed hard from the heart, and I was desperate because I knew what was coming. I knew I was going to drink soon if I didn't do something about what I, about my alcoholism. But I wasn't drinking. I wasn't using. But my alcoholism was in full effect. Mm. You know, and then I ran into you, and we got going on the work. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that's a whole other story. But this, you know, <clears throat> when you say fourth dimension, from my experience... Um, what that looks like is, you know, it started with that. It started with a prayer and not knowing what the answer was and bumping into you. You know, that's something that I couldn't figure out on my own. That's something that I couldn't see happening. That's something that just happened at the right time, at the right place. It just happened. With your sincerity and your desperateness. With my desperation and my sincerity and really opening my heart to something new and um you know just from the bottom of my heart needing something and not knowing what it was um you know my wife and i had to separate for a while because the disease of alcoholism she's not an alcoholic but she was raised by an alcoholic and she married me an alcoholic that alcoholism alcoholic mind crept in to her experience and she has the same type of thinking the same disconnection and you know together when our both of our alcoholism was in full effect we were just butting heads and the energy was like two positive magnets you know it wasn't that you know I stopped being physically attracted but the attraction spiritually was dead and the, the, our, our hearts were closed. And so, you know, part of my experience was, you know, being away from her and, and working with you and, and um, 
you know, she saw the change in me from the work that we did. And then she did the same work with another 12 step member. And we, we always say water finds its own level. And eventually we found our own level and now we're back together. Our family's back together. And I definitely in my mind thought I would never be with her again. There's no way. There's no possible way that I would ever do that again. And it happened. Um, you know, just being in a state of not having to know the outcome and things just coming together better than I can expect. Mm. That's fourth dimension stuff to me because I can't plan it. I can't see it. But for some reason, when my when I'm in the right space, things just kind of start to fall into place and the dots get connected. And I'm not afraid if it's not like a, a very straight line and it has to be a certain way because a lot of the things, a lot of my experiences are leading me in a certain direction. And even though that direction doesn't work out, it's still leading me in another direction, but I can't see it. And even though, you know, a certain situation happens where I think, oh, this is great. It's going to be happening this way. And then I get led into a different direction. And it's just like all this unseen, unknowing, you know, so I just, I really feel like I don't even have to worry about it because everything is, everything is being taken care of. And I'm in a place of neutrality, safe and protected. You know, I'm, I cease fighting everybody and everything. If I stop fighting everybody and everything, I really have nothing to worry about. Well, I think what that, what you're saying also is you quit fighting yourself. Yeah, for first, sure. right? For sure. And if you're not fighting yourself, then you're not going to fight everyone and everything. Mm -hmm. And you're placed in a position of neutrality within your own mind, within your own being. And then you take that into the world and you're placed in a position of neutrality within your fellow man. And everything's okay. Right? Whereas before, I wasn't okay in my own mind. I wasn't placed in a position of neutrality. I was always trying to struggle to the top of the heap or hide underneath it or, or move this or move that. And I had all this gossip happening in my mind, so I was never in neutrality. And then I would take that non-neutrality outside myself and I would pry and manipulate and try to take and grab and snatch this and push that and, and try to make things happen because I had this delusion that if I did all these things outside myself, had this amount of money, had this, um, this person in my life, if they just did this and I'd be happy. No, it never worked that way. So, you know, that's, that's part of, that's, a, that's in a nutshell, what we're talking about is why we're doing this. You know, we want to inspire people to do the heavy work, to uncover and discover what it is and why. And it only happens over time, right? It only happens through the time and through the consistent, persistent commitment to change your life. Very little to do with the alcohol or the drugs. And I know some of our listeners maybe they have questions about well what do you mean about alcoholism what do you mean you know it's an obsession of the mind and it's an allergy of the body yeah and that's what is described as the illness in the book but before that is the spiritual malady and to you and i that is alcoholism i'm going to treat alcoholism with drugs and alcohol until i can't 
And then I'm going to treat it with defects of character or behaviors or, or more destructive behavior. And if I keep treating it with no alcohol or drugs, but I'm treating it now with, with this destructive behavior, like you said, it's only a matter of time before I'm fucking drinking or doing drugs again. Or I'm totally hurting people. Or if I know I can't drink or drug, I'm at the jumping off point and I want to die. So, you know, why are we doing this podcast? Um, well, I, there's so much to it. Um, we're going to see how it goes, where it leads us. But there's also the aspect of my experience and your experience together and the experience of watching and collecting data and um, seeing how it affects addicts and alcoholics, the families of addicts and alcoholics, maybe the friends of addicts and alcoholics, and maybe just the people that feel shitty all the time and can't figure out why. And maybe they don't have an addiction problem. Or maybe they do and they just don't know. And it's just being projected in other ways. Hmm. And I think really the spiritual sickness um, just in society, not saying that everybody may be suffering from it, but the ones who are, we, we have a solution. Like definite solution, which nobody ever explained to me. And I tried so hard to, you know, self-help books, spiritual teachings, energy work, uh, you know tons of psychology counseling mm. and why did it, none of it ever work um well i i guess i wasn't ready at the time but and you didn't understand i just didn't understand and i told you the other day when i was i probably could have saved myself years of pain hadn't knowing what i known today so just kind of finding that sweet spot on what works and what i'm seeing working with other people if we could save someone just some of that pain you know this is this is the whole point mm. so you had mentioned uh and we have had some of these discussions prior to this podcast what we want to do is we want to carry the message of the spiritual malady is the real problem mm. not only with the alcoholic at a at a nth degree it's also the main problem in our society and like you said maybe not everyone suffers from it but a lot of people do they're restless, irritable, discontent, and they keep trying to make more money or get different jobs or get into different relationships. And so, yeah, and we want to carry the message of, well, what is this addiction? What is alcoholism? What is the spiritual malady? Not only to, to alcoholics and addicts, but to the families and get them to maybe understand a little bit because... It's a complex type of illness in a way. It's an illness that tells you you don't have an illness in many respects. And to take this even further for, for maybe, you know, the spouses of alcoholics, children of alcoholics and addicts. And, and maybe they'll see some of these things in their own life and understand that, you know, this is a design for living. This isn't just for addicts and alcoholics. We're all suffering to whatever degree. You know, we're all emotionally ill and spiritually sick to whatever degree. And I think we, we want to carry the message to, to the many and try to promote change within a person. Because if you can help one person, that person can help the family. And that family can be part of a larger whole and help the community. 
and I like the word community and I've looked this up and this is not what it means, but it's what it means to me. As a community, we have common unity through what we've done together in our programs. We're living more, not for what we can grab and snatch and pry and take for ourselves like we always tried. How, How can we give? How can we open our heart? How can we love others? And through the loving and, and the kindness and forgiveness and, and being of service, we find that unity, the common unity, right? And so I know that that's what I want to do. And, and I know we're not sitting here by accident because we're, we're joined in that adventure of opening the heart and trying to help others open their heart. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe some others can find that high water level and, uh, and seek seek service and seek goodness in their life right and so yeah and i know we're going to explain many things through this podcast and our experiences are going to come out in many different respects and there's going to be some heavy heavy hitting like i have fucking strong beliefs of what works and what doesn't and i know you do too and at some point down this this podcast we're going to be voicing those things because people are dying and I want to see people live. I mean, like we're hearing of people dying weekly, and that's just in our little city, in our little group. You know, imagine what it is, you know, worldwide, like especially with COVID going on and all the changes and the masks and the separation. And, um, you know, so we're in need of connection more than ever, I find. And this is kind of what drove me. And But I found that I could become connected even though every, all of this stuff was going on. And that was kind of what drove me to start on this journey was um, you had led me to a point of, of connection. And even though everything was locked down, everybody was full of fear, again, I felt like I was in a place of neutrality, safe and protected. And this can be done. Like, this isn't something special. Mm-hmm. This is something we all have within us. Mm-hmm. If we can just start to rewire and deprogram everything we've been taught and what the media is saying, you know, all this fear. Like, fear is, to me, the destroyer of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it serves a natural purpose. Well, it stops me from getting hit by a car, something like that, but not to live in it, mm-hmm. not to go to bed with it, not to wake up with it. You know, so if we can start to open our hearts and expand the love that's within us and, you know, really connect to our spirit and the people around us mm-hmm. and, and just expansion of love is really the main, you know, objective daily in my life today. Expansion mm-hmm. of love. How can I be love? How can I express love? You know, what is love in a certain situation? It's not all just being nice all the time. Right. You know, love comes in very different forms. And sometimes it's a direct message that kind of sounds like it's not coming from a place of love, but it is. I see it with my kids, you know. It's coming from a place of inner truth mm-hmm. with a sincere desire to be of service. And, and maybe it looks to somebody like it's not love, but you know. I think a lot of this is within the beholder, right? It, it's about intent. and uh, And I think that's important and sometimes what i say judgmentally to you is my truth and i'm saying it because i want you to hear the message behind what i'm saying because i want you to live 
but if you're not at a place where you're hearing it you might think that you or me are assholes Mm -hmm. in how we say it so so i get you so i gotta get flying pretty quick here i gotta go do some work with one of my god-centered 12-step pillars um, as I continue to want to grow and be better, and I think we're uncovering, we're discovering, and we're definitely <laughs> trying to discard some shit. Why? Because I want to recover. Not from the substance. I want to recover emotionally, bodily, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And that's why I continue to do this heavy work, and I know you do too. So, you know, how do we wrap this up? Well, I just... Um I guess we just we don't really know um what to expect from this podcast but i know you've been led led in a direction um to be here and everybody that is on our podcast has done this kind of work um they're going to have a very different experience um as every human should um and you know, we're just kind of going to go with the flow and we're going to have some awesome people with some cool experiences. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited and I'm, I'm just so excited to hear, you know, what we can offer and, um, you know, eventually start connecting with the people and, and see what they think of this. Yeah, dude. And I, I'd like to mention like Tommy, uh, is working on a project on his own and I'm working on my own project. Uh, Tommy's is, um, table 40 coaching.com. Mine is bill ward dot life. Um, he has some things going on. I have some, some things going on and we're also doing some collaborative work. Um, we are going to be doing a, an alcohol and drug addiction study session based out of the big book but we're going to do other pieces of literature and it's going to be heavy hitting it's going to focus on the addict and alcoholic and the thinking and alcoholism and it's also going to be directed at at people that are non-alcoholic so they can help understand this disease and the spiritual malady behind it that's going to start in the first week of september Um, we haven't sorted out exact dates and Tommy and I are always looking and talking, and, and we're going to grow. So, you know, we have uh, some other ideas that will come out as these podcasts come out. We'll let you know what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, check us out on Instagram. Hmm. Check us out on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Patreon, um, and Facebook. And and however else we can get the message out there, we're going to really push this because we we we're passionate about yeah, this. The cool thing about the the study, um, Bill and I have chatted about this before. But as you kind of get, you know, uh, your mind starts to open. Um, so so what we've noticed is like all the literature that we've been reading, you can pair the parallels. Mm are always linked and everybody's kind of saying the same things mm-hmm. in different words so we want to bring collaborate all that together and um bring in the big book and and show like this is the language but they're also saying this and it's in other literature just so it starts to make kind of uh sense to different types of people and um but the main thing is the big book does really 
push the self-searching, the self-appraisal, which we've found that other spiritual aspects are kind of lacking. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be super awesome, I think. Yeah, dude, and it'll be 12 to 16 weeks, once per week, and uh, we'll we'll come back with details. But Tommy, I really enjoyed the session, and uh, I look forward to hosting and co-hosting with you till the end of time, bro. Yeah, sounds good, brother. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Have a good day, everyone.